Come on. Scott Marshall is the president and CEO of Semester at Sea, their ship-based multi-country study abroad program, and now finally guest on Lifeblood Nurture. Welcome, Scott. George, thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I have to tell you, you have the best intro for a podcast that I have yet heard. So <laughs> pleased to be here and pleased to be following that amazing intro. Uh, 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 thank you, and, and I'm excited to have you on. Scott, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. You bet. So first of all, I design design my life around my most intimate loved ones. So I'm a son, brother, husband, father, friend. Those things really set the foundation uh, for who I am and what I do. I'm the president and CEO of the Institute for Shipboard Education, which is the nonprofit that operates the Semester C program. My uh, previous life was a professor of business. I focused on business strategy, sustainability, social entrepreneurship, and I've been really fortunate, George, to live, teach, and travel to many countries around the world over the last 35 years. I deeply believe in the power of transformation that comes from experiential learning in different cultural environments. And as no surprise to anyone, I'm particularly committed to study abroad for college-age students like Semester C. Oh, I certainly appreciate all that. Um, did, did, did you have an experience of, of studying abroad when you were a, a younger man? I did. I ended up studying abroad for semester when I was in college, my junior fall semester was in Japan. And a quick little story about that, I was raised in a very small rural town on a small family farm. And so the idea that I would end up traveling for college and then in a career that focused on study abroad would not have been expected. I also did not have significant financial resources as a college student and I scraped uh, together all kinds of different types of resources to make it happen. And I've never regretted that decision. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. I, I'm, it's a, I, I'm fond of saying that the perspective is, is, is difficult to get and, and, and harder to keep. And I just, I value and, and put such a, such a premium on keeping things in, in, in perspective Going from small rural farm to Japan, how did that impact your perspective? Well, I would say in simple terms, it was mind blowing, <laughs> but I didn't know it at the time. You know, I was young and um, frankly uh, curious, but I didn't know exactly what to be curious about. And so I knew that I was learning a lot, but I didn't necessarily know what. And I had to really take time afterwards to reflect on the experience, trying to understand what I may have missed, what I gained, and that I had to go experience it again, not necessarily Japan, although I did, but another culture, another 
adventure that would push me a bit further and make me better tuned to what it is that I'm seeing, hearing, tasting. And I joke that I'm on a lifelong journey of minimizing my cultural incompetence. The idea that no one becomes fully culturally competent, but it's such a wonderful thing to continue to tune one's perspective as they approach a new culture and try to immerse themselves while also maintaining their own true form and their own set of values. Yeah, I think that that's so well said. And and what a what a worthy journey or, or worthy worthy challenge and endeavor of of trying to minimize your cultural incompetence. So I, I appreciate that. I and I've I've got a fair amount of regrets. Probably not that many, but certainly one of them was not studying abroad during college. And I, I think that I would have been in a really similar situation to you that I probably would not have got my brain around all the stuff that I would have been learning. And I certainly would have been learning them to your point. Um, so as as a young person, how how much more impactful is to, from your perspective uh, to, to have that experience as a young person versus somebody who's, you know, 30 years old? Well, I think there could be, although untested, a neuroscientific explanation for what happens. We certainly have some survey data to support it, but I would love to get the neuroscientific proof. And that is, as we do know, the brain continues to grow and form through our 20s, particularly that frontal lobe where we're doing our most rational thought. And if we expose our mind while it's still forming to these alternative cultures and ways of thinking, I truly believe that it impacts how our brain forms. And that's not to say that there's not neuroplasticity as we move through life. There certainly is, and there's clear evidence that our brains can continue to grow and evolve past the mid-20s. But I also feel like, and that's why I'm committed to the, really focusing on the impact of this late teen, early 20 audience, because I really love to see what happens to the way they behave and think and, and how it transforms them for the rest of their life. Uh, so again, that's why I focus on that age group. Uh, I would love for someone, a uh, neuroscientist, to, to be willing to come on board and do a pre and post test of our voyagers, if, if our voyagers were willing, just to see what kind of evidence there is to support my own hypothesis that something in the brain chemistry and structure happens through this experience of semester C. Well, it certainly does make sense, um, just from a from a common sense standpoint that you know scientists are not interested in that. But certainly hearing that and, and then thinking about it and having an appreciation for how how yeah how how our the neuroplasticity of our brains is forming. Uh, probably a lot up up until twenty five. I don't need to reset because you said it so well. So I, I, I appreciate that. Was it what? Uh, and so you're 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 a business school professor or or, or business professor. How 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 do you then make the jump to um, doing semester at sea? So during my time as a professor of business, I was really fortunate to do two things. One is take short 
week or two week opportunities to teach abroad. And I also was fortunate enough to lead students on some short term study abroad. And that was probably th those experiences were the most enriching part of my academic career for sure. And then pretty late into that period of time as a professor, I was able to take sabbatical and really fortunately was able to be a faculty member on a semester sea voyage. My wife and two boys came along and I already had a lot of light bulbs shining bright around the power study abroad. And then I experienced semester C and came to believe that it is the optimal form of study abroad because of its comparative nature. Uh, so I, we left in spring of 17, January from San Diego and found our way to Japan, China, Vietnam, Myanmar, India, South Africa, Ghana, Morocco, and ended up in Germany, spending four to six days in each one of these countries. And I saw what happens when students test and retest their mental models of the world. And I just thought this is amazing. Also, about halfway through that voyage, there was a board member who was on the voyage who shared with me a job description for vice president of academic affairs at this institute. And I was quite intrigued. So long story short, I applied for that position, was fortunate enough to get that job. And then in January of 2020, I became the president CEO of the Institute. Nice. That was like a shooting fish in a barrel. It doesn't seem like a very uh, fair recruitment tactic. So the person who's looking to hire brings you on this amazing trip. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, Scott, we've got this opportunity, <laughs> knowing full well. <laughs> Indeed, there I was, uh, somewhat of a, a fish in a barrel, a sitting duck. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I have no regrets. Uh, you know, I love higher ed. And I have great respect for the institution, but I also had to follow my purpose and really try to live into my own growth potential and was convinced that that was going to be realized best by moving out of that institution and tenure and so forth and go into this nonprofit and really live into my my own purpose my own life purpose no oh, i thousand percent commend you for doing so so tell me a little bit more about you mentioned comparative nature and then the mental models of these uh four to six day uh new experiences you bet so each of our voyages is is designed to ensure three elements at the at the top and that is comparative experiential and international the ship is our home campus and courses occur on that ship and students will spend half the voyage on that ship and they will visit eight to ten countries four to six days at a time so the comparative nature in simple terms means that a, those students will spend some time on the ship learning their course content 
and then prepare for a country, go spend time in that country, tasting the food, listening to the music, talking to the locals, then come back on the ship, reflect on that experience, converse with their faculty, their fellow students, and then within a few more days, they'll hit the next country. And they'll experience that place, its food, its music, its culture, and then get back on the ship and reflect again. And imagine doing this eight times, nine times. And what happens is we both get a stronger sense of our own set of values and beliefs, as well as an appreciation for an understanding of others' beliefs and views of the world. So that's that comparative experience. And George, we actually have done pre and post tests of an instrument called the Global Perspectives Inventory that measures a number of things around global perspective. And the evidence is clear that our voyagers gain a much deeper appreciation for the other. That is those that are somehow different than themselves. They also gain greater confidence in interacting with the other. And just to get a little bit philosophical with you, our world is characterized by divisiveness to a large degree. And if people can gain these types of experiences and really understand through empathy why others act and behave differently, but at the core are the same, we can find ways to address this divisiveness. I think that that's well said. And I am in. I am I am in for the semester at sea. Do you take 42-year-old dads? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. We have a lifelong learner program, and we have families come on board when people want to take a break from their daily life, and they want to have a truly deep community and learning experience. This is an amazing way to do it. So... To be clear, George, this is not your high-end cruise with a casino and <laughs> all the amenities of the large 3,000-person ship. This is a voyage. It's a learning community. Lifelong learners come on board with their kids, and we set up multi-generational learning. The, the father, the mother can choose when they would go audit a course and what course is interesting. It could be something that you particularly have an expertise in and want to share your knowledge, or it could be something that would totally stretch you, something you know nothing about and want to learn about. So we have a lifelong learner program. It usually comprises about 15% of our passengers, and it's definitely a very rich part of our community. Amazing. How does it work if I were an undergrad? So as an undergrad, I'd first just say that we have gap year college students and post-grad students come on board and participate in the courses. So it's not just for someone admitted and enrolled in a university traditionally. Again, gap year students, that 17-year, 8-year-old, 18-year-old who's just getting ready to complete high school, graduate, is thinking about college, wants to 
maybe try something similar to college, but also have a, a meaningful experience. So we bring high school, we bring these uh, gap year students on, um, and we actually have a very specific gap year program for those individuals. And then, of course, the college student. Uh, that's usually your 19 to 21 or 22 year old. We have students across the the grade spectrum. That is, we have first, second, third, fourth year students coming on board. There could be, you know, just getting some prerequisites done, or they could be on into their major. It's really simple. You go to our website, semesterc.org. Go to the chat. We have a nice chat feature. Contact an advisor. Start to learn what the program is. And of course, like all the world today, there's a really simple apply button. Uh, so it's pretty straightforward. The other thing that I advise anybody to do as a college student, go to their study abroad office, talk to them that this is something that's interesting, and really start to plan how something like this will fit into their overall degree completion program. Sometimes people will go in and see that it's, that it's not an inexpensive program and get daunted by the price. And what I say is, yes, it is an expensive program. It's not cheap, but there's lots of financial aid available through their own university. And of course, we offer scholarships and financial aid as well. It is something that is accessible to all. They just have to be willing to go through the financial aid process with their own institution and with us. I love it. Well, Scott, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? What do I have? <laughs> so it's pretty straightforward, I think. Life is knowing how to experience awe and wonder. And awe and wonder are only a few steps out your door. I really encourage people to take the step across the threshold, walk into another culture, taste the food, listen to the music, and be willing to be changed by what you hear, taste, and feel. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. I love it. It is right outside, on wonder, or right outside your door. Experience it and be willing to be changed by what you experience. Very well said. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? And give us the website again for how people can engage with Semester at Sea. Absolutely, George. So in terms of finding me, two places. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Please look me up, connect. Obviously, I also have my email address on the semesterc.org website, which then leads to how do you find Semester at Sea? Really straightforward. We obviously do have a homepage, semesteratsea.org. We also have all of the standard social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and so on. All of it is Semester at Sea. And we look forward to being in touch with anybody who's interested. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can get in touch with Scott via LinkedIn, or you can find his email on the Semester at Sea website, which is semesteratsea.org. And uh, find them on social media as well if it's something that you're curious uh, go to your study abroad office at your institution of higher learning and get to know a little bit about how this can fit into your overall uh, educational experience. Thanks again, Scott.
Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.